Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. We all have been in the situation where we are sweating it out, hoping Santa's elves get our packages here on time. Worry no more. Our friends at Seattle Shirt Company have all of us in mind. They have an excellent selection of NFL and NBA jerseys for everyone on your list. And they are doing their part in keeping their staff employed during these tough times. Please do yours in supporting local businesses. Not only is shipping free on everything, but this week only, for all of our customers, we have an amazing promotion. 50% off all Seahawks merchandise. Seattle Shirt Company, have it all. Hats, jerseys, hoodies, and more. All the stars from yesterday to today are included. From LeBron James, back to Jim Brown. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Walter Payton, Mike Ditka, Deion Sanders, Jerry Rice, and many more. Have you seen the latest Seattle Kraken NHL gear? Just head to seattleshirt.com and enter the code Believe, that's capital B-L-E-A-V, at checkout for 50% off all Seahawks merchandise. Shipping is always free. Seattle Shirt Company, helping you get ready for the holidays. The ISO with Dan Dickow and SB Live Sports, brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. It was neat to see you play, and it's fun to talk to you all these years later because you played with a lot of joy and you played with passion. And I've seen Dan Dickow hit some big shots in the NCAA tournament. <laughs> Every morning when I'm working out, I'm listening to your podcast. Keep up the great work. Well, you know, I got to salute you, man. Like, I've been watching you since I was in high school trying to mimic all your moves. I think there were a lot of kids who looked at Dan Dickow and said, Dan Dickow can play at this level, I can play at this level. Today's episode of the ISO with myself, your host, Dan Dickow, and SB Live Sports on the Believe Podcast Network. Conversations throughout the world of sports, you know, it's usually basketball. Coaches, players, broadcasters, executives. Today is unique in the fact that he was a player, a tremendous player, a coach, had a direct line to a nice career in that. He chose to stay involved in the game in a different way. Going to get a chance to hear more about those decisions and how he is surviving this COVID pandemic as a tournament director for the youth in the AAU scene out of the Portland area. A friend of mine, Ryan Menton, who is one of the co-founders and directors of Hoop Source Basketball. Ryan, we've had a number of text message threads and a number of chats, but I haven't seen your face in a while. How goes life? Hey, you know, it's a new way of life. Uh, Dan, I appreciate the opportunity to be on the, on the ISO. I've uh, been following it, been doing a great job with it. In terms of Hoop Source and uh, myself and co-director Dave Walker, you know, biggest thing is, is it's been a challenge. And I know we've been kind of weaving through challenges just like everybody, you know, that's been affected by the COVID-19 pandemic. And so to answer your question in short, uh, it's been uh, stressful at times. Uh, it's been frustrating at more times, but obviously with safety and health at the forefront of everybody's mind during this pandemic, we're no different. 
We provide basketball opportunities in the form of league and events. For many years, we have done this, now going on year 13. And so we have been shut down, obviously, with the new mandates in the state of Oregon, more up and down the West Coast, Washington directly, Oregon directly. And we have been trying to find new, unique opportunities with safety and health at the forefront, opening up shop and taking our events to other regions, parts of the country that might have different limitations or different, I should say, restrictions and guidelines in those areas. With everything kind of being, for lack of a better term, put on pause and put on hold in the Pacific Northwest, that's not easy for uh, in a business owner. I, I, I own a couple of businesses myself that have, uh, we've had to adjust. You guys have to adjust. But the fact of the matter is you're in a industry of youth sports and AAU basketball where if you don't have access to a gym, you can't run your tournament. So you you have to get creative and you have to look at other places where maybe you can provide the same services and opportunities for kids to stay involved in, in the games that they love. Where have you kind of found opportunities to really continue uh, serving, you know, people that love the game of basketball in the AAU and the U circles? Well, yeah, that's a great question. You know, the pivot really came at uh, an interesting time because we have already built uh, HoopSource and that brand in Oregon. We're strong, obviously, in the Northwest, Oregon, Washington, as you're familiar with, you know, with uh, some of your teams in, in, the, in the game of basketball. But like I said, that opportunity was unique in the fact that we were actually the pivot, you want to call it, was already kind of happening in terms of our expansion and expanding into other territories such as California, which I know is affected heavily by the shutdown, but Utah. Uh, Nevada, uh, Arizona, um, Montana, Colorado, some of these other places and regions that we were already looking and already had a, a foothold or planted some seeds per se, you know, prior to the COVID-19 pandemic. So the pivot necessarily could have been maybe a lot more difficult if we wouldn't have already started trending that way prior to the, the pandemic. However, we were kind of creating that already and that uh, direction, you know, for our brand. So it made it a lot, I don't want to say easier, but a lot you know, more unique in the fact that we were kind of opening up in some of these areas already. So those are some of the regions that we've really targeted or really looked at to provide basketball to those that want to play. We understand there are some that are maybe reluctant. There's different walks of life in terms of programs. There's some that, hey, you know what, we don't want to play right now. We respect that. And we understand that there are folks that do want to play. So we want to provide the opportunity for those that do want to play. And we are going to do that with, to the best of our ability with working with local health authorities, local health officials, whatever region we are in, and providing a protocol that does our due diligence to keep everybody safe to the max that we can. You mentioned HoopSource, you and your, your good friend, your partner, Dave Walker, have been running tournaments and, and events for 13 years now. AAU a lot of times gets a negative uh, perception by a lot of people who aren't on the inner circle and get to know some of the people. I myself have had good experiences with AAU programs. I've had negative views of AAU programs based on, on experiences. But at the crux, AAU and event directors like yourself are trying to provide opportunities and platforms for kids to play a game that they love. And if they're good enough at the right level, they'll have an opportunity uh, maybe to be seen in, in college evaluation settings. But when you started this 13 years ago, were you just trying to run an event or did you have grand plans to become as big as you are? 
You know, I think that's a great question. I mean, I don't know if I could sit here honestly and say, hey, you know, and, and Dave and I have this conversation all the time. We look back and, and see how much the business and, and the grant, the, the brand has grown and where it's transcended into other, you know, entities and other uh, media and uh, photography and other, you know, kind of offshoots that it's really provided. You know, when we started this, we really just wanted to provide a, a solid opportunity. I grew up watching, playing, uh, working in other event operations uh, myself, uh, you know, around the area and seeing, you know, basically that entity or those entities kind of come along, we were able to basically say, you know what, we're going to figure out what they do well and what they do, don't do well. And we want to provide this opportunity, a better opportunity, uh, you know, for the community that we live in and through basketball. And that's what we did. So we started off with a 26 team, you know, fall league that has now grown into, you know, obviously a lot of tournaments and a lot of opportunity for, for basketball players to take a part in. And, you know, obviously we've been shut down. We haven't been able to run for this year uh, per se, most of, the, most of the time. So it's been, you know, impactful to our business and to our organization. Uh, but uh, we're hopeful, obviously, maybe someday that we can come out of this safely and, uh, and obviously provide, again, hoops for people that want to play basketball. I've uh, had a number of uh, my son's teams uh, play in your events, and I've always thought uh, they were very well run. And I know you get teams from across the country uh, to go to those events. I'm sure the requests that you get sometimes are head scratchers. Is there any one request maybe that you've had from a tournament director as far as like, coach, I, I really can't, I can't agree to that. There's no way we could do that. You know, uh, another good question. We, we bend our backs sometimes uh, to a fault uh, in which we really try and accommodate everybody. I know it sounds cliche, but we really, that's, that's where we've really set, you know, our mark, you know, Dave can speak to that as well, that we really have worked to try and accommodate every single request. Now in a perfect world, that sounds great. Uh, it doesn't always happen. If there was a request that really gets tough, a lot of it is more compound requests, I guess, if that's, you know, I'm not trying to pick the easy way out, but it's a compound request where somebody says, if this, then, then, then this, you know, and it's like, if this is going to happen, you know, and that's a lot of hypotheticals in which we try to stay away from because we try to keep in front what we have in front of us, keep that on the forefront for everybody. And for the most part, everybody's pretty good about it. Uh, especially those that have returned, you know, returning customers that have played in our events and returning players and programs, they understand, they get it, and they understand the hard work that goes into it because it's not, you know, as just pressing a button and it all just figuring itself out. It's, you know, a lot of, a lot of algorithms. It's not easy, you know, from time to time. Um, it can be very, very, very tough. The um, average parent, the average parent or even the average coach that enters into one of these tournaments doesn't understand the depth of planning that goes in. College coaches have to uh, evaluate, then recruit, and do all, and then game prep. A lot of people think at the youth level, a tournament director just throws names into a computer and it spits it out based on one. That is not what I know, and that's not what I've seen. How much planning honestly goes into running one of your really large-scale events? Sleepless hours and sleepless nights, to be honest with you. And that's, uh, you know, we don't talk much about that, but that's literally what goes into it is, and I think that's where you weed out the, the better operators with, you know, the average operators, uh, to be honest with you, is that uh, we do our due diligence and we really put a lot of time into it uh, until we get it right. 
And if, if it's not right, then it's not worth doing. And again, I know that sounds a lot cliche, but that's the honest truth. We put a lot of blood, sweat, and tears into everything. And those blood, sweat, and tears inquire, require a lot of time, <laughs> a lot of time. Uh, myself and Dave spending together, uh, we obviously have our own type of roles that we do really well within the organization. And it's a lot of time and a lot of effort. And, you know, that's where that's where that basketball, you know, for me, you, you asked earlier about why did we get into this? We're basketball players. We're basketball purists. Uh, and, you know, I, that's the best way to put it. I love the game. Dave loves the game. If we didn't, we wouldn't be doing what we do to provide those opportunities because we grew up in the system. We grew up in the, you know, the city of Portland, uh, in the state of Oregon. And we understand that, you know, what it takes and having the careers that we've had and, and doing what we've done through the sport of basketball, that's, that's the number one driver. You're a basketball guy. You love being in a gym. You happen to be a tournament director, but you got your start in the game of basketball because you loved it. You were a tremendous high school player. I know you and I played against each other. Battles. Summers down in Portland at the Portland Pro-Am. You were a tremendous college player as well. Warner Southern, I believe, an NAI school in, in Florida, an NAI All-American. When, when you were growing up, did you always know and figure that you were going to be involved with the game of basketball as a career? Was that your passion? You know, I, I loved, you know, growing up, I think we all did. I know you probably can attest to it. When we were growing up in high school, what did we love to do? We did camps. We worked for camps because we loved being in the gym. We loved being around basketball. And that was a quick way to make money, working camps, uh, training. I mean, I came up through, the, like I said, through the system of basketball here in Portland, uh, you know, training. Uh, you know, right out of college, I was training guys. I played overseas for a little bit, had a quick stint, uh, you know, playing with athletes in action and doing some, you know, semi-pro stuff. Once I figured out that, hey, you know what, I was going to kind of hang it up. That was a very hard decision. But once I figured that out, uh, you know, getting staying in basketball, I think back to your question, I don't know if I necessarily knew what it was going to be, but absolutely my drive has always been and passion has been around basketball. So it's not the surprise or shock that I end up, you know, with a career in basketball and being around the game as, as long as we have and, and where it's at now. Um, and all those battles and all those, you know, battle tests and playing against you, guys like you, I mean, you know, being a younger guy looking up to, I mean, it was, it, it came to a forefront, you know, at some point that, yeah, basketball is going to be what we do. And Dave, we just happened to meet and he was the same way, you know, we had careers before this that we were in and that we we're still kind of part of, but, basketball we always come back to basketball and what we do I'm always fascinated when people that have success as a player or a coach and then something happens but they continue that passion into a business uh to stay around the, the game that they love you had a tremendous high school coach in Nick Robertson at Beaverton High School he's one of the legendary coaches in the state would he have been one of the guys that kind of drove uh, your knowledge of the game, your understanding of the game, and then maybe even, you know, mentored you in, in your early stages? Because I know you got into coaching for a bit before Hoopsource really took off. Absolutely. Uh, you know, I, not enough can be said for uh, my, the coaches that have impacted me. Uh, one of them being Nick Robertson, the legend. Everybody knows Nick. Uh, you know, he's one of my mentors to this day. Uh, just because, uh, you know, I, what's funny is I only played for Nick one year. I transferred my senior year uh, because, you know, I, I played at Tiger three years prior, but Tiger left the Metro League. And then there, obviously, my coach that was at Tiger took off and, and headed out. So I didn't know it was a lot of uncertainty. And I wanted to play for 
uh, you know, Nick Robertson or somebody that, you know, I knew that was going to get the best out of me. I, I was always driven that way that I wanted somebody that was tough. I wanted somebody that was hard nosed. You know, there's a lot of players nowadays. I feel like they want the easy way out. And I'm not saying everybody, but some that want the easy way out. The entitlement's huge right now. It's a big factor in the basketball. I see that kind of on the rise. You've probably seen it too. But I wanted somebody that was going to get in my butt. I mean, literally like, you know, be on me at all times. And Nick's that guy. And, you know, after, you know, Nick, uh, you know, I was had the opportunity to go to Florida, you know, per the direction of actually Josh Hall, who's a good buddy of mine. And I had great coaches there as well that stayed on me that really, you know, cultivated kind of what you're talking about, cultivated that, that passion and, and enhanced it to what I already had. And so without those coaches, Nick Robertson specifically, I, I talked to him at least once, once every couple of weeks uh, to continue to have that, you know, foster that relationship. Uh, yeah, definitely couldn't have been, I don't know if, you know, obviously the six, the passion was there, but again, to your point, it really enhanced that passion. You were somebody who obviously spent time growing up in the Portland area, tremendous high school player went back and now you're providing a lot of opportunities for kids in the area. So you've seen the ebbs and flows of talent um, for high school basketball in Portland and, and Oregon. Who are some of the players that come to mind to you quickly that are like, man, that guy was unbelievable. I wish no, more people knew about him or that guy maybe didn't go to the right school otherwise so he didn't reach his potential. You know, I, I, we ran uh, on not a podcast series, but on our platform on Instagram, our HoopSource platform, we ran, uh, you know, a greatest 32 series. And in the greatest 32 series, it, it actually garnered some attention, you know, from local media and whatnot. And in that greatest 32, we really, we really tried to do that. Exactly what you said, shine the spotlight on some of those guys that are forgotten that paved the way, and really were great basketball players in the state of Oregon. Some of the guys that I think get forgotten, and you'll remember some of these names because you know you had battles with them too in the Pro-Am, the great Pro-Am that was in, in Portland for all those years. You need to I redo mean, that. They need some they need, leadership to get that going again. That thing was unreal, Dan, and I know you and I had some battles. Uh, there were some great players I got to play with. I mean, on my team, you know, not to segue, but on my team, you know, that from my first year in, I played with the Blazers. I was fortunate enough to play for, you know, late the late great Jojo Aaron Cowens and was my coach and I had Ime Udoka who was player of the year that year uh, I remember the second year I think you were player of the year uh, of the pro-am uh, my second year in the pro-am so but yeah I mean Brandon Brooks the Aaron Miles uh, you know I think we're quick to forget some of those old old school cats you know and some of the guys you know I had them on my on my uh, interview with HoopSource was Robert Day People forget about Robert Day, and Robert Day was a really good basketball player that ended up at a D2 school because, you know, for lack of better, you know, he explained his story on my platform, you know, just it's, it's opportunity meets, you know, some luck, you know, and I think luck when it meets opportunity that some of these guys end up at a D1 versus NAI. That's a lot of it doesn't come down to skill. Um, sometimes, I'm not saying all the time, but sometimes. And so seeing, you know, those guys and, and growing up here and people forget, you know, Josh Hall didn't play much in high school. And then he went on and had NBA tryouts. You know, I mean, people forget about stories like that. And he was a very good basketball player. Um, you know, but a Brandon Brooks that had a knee injury or, you know, other guys that played with us, a like Chris Rogers, you know, guys like that, you know, that had really strong careers. Salim Stoudemire, uh, you know, those type of guys. I mean, people forget about the, some of those guys because – I think really what took off is, you know, we had that period in Oregon where you had Kevin Love and Kyle Singler, 
And everybody looks and remembers those two guys because they were two high five-star recruits that were at the same time. They go revert back to the Kevin Love days when there's a down period like it seems like there is in Oregon right now in the talent pool of, of Oregon basketball. Um, you know, it seems like there's only a handful of really top-tier talent. It seems like that. There's other good players, but maybe they don't get the notoriety. But people always revert to that time of Kevin Love and, and Kyle Singler. And there was really good basketball at that time. But there was good basketball before that as well. And I think it's all cyclical. I think there's, history will repeat itself. I think it will come back. Just like I think baggy shorts and baggy jeans will come back at some point. Because I'll tell you right now, I wouldn't be able to play in some of those jerseys some of these kids are wearing, man. I don't understand how they do it. I mean, the tight neoprene. I mean, we, you, back in the day, we, you, that was called a smedium. You know, I, I, I'm, I had to have my shorts below my knees, and that's just the way it, it went. I'm right there with you. I, I, I actually was pulling some stuff out of my garage this summer when I was cleaning it up, and it was uh, from one of the teams I played for in Europe. And they, they gave me, and this was not my request, they gave me a triple XL, and I tried the shorts on, and they went mid-calf, and yeah. my kids just looked at me like, what are you doing, Dad? That exactly. is not normal. You're an outcast, Don't do that man. ever again. They gave it to you because you're from America, man. That's the, I mean, the Fab Five started it, and we joke about it, but I, I watch. I mean, trends cycle back through. You know, look at fanny packs are back in now. Fanny packs, I mean, if you wore a fanny pack back when we played, you honestly would have been laughed at and mocked for years. I mean, now fanny packs are back and arm bags. And it's like, you got to think, man, at some point, maybe baggy jeans will come or baggy, you know, the bagginess will come back, yeah. not the thin stuff. I mean, I, Chris Heron, man, go watch Chris Heron. Chris Heron was wearing them down to his ankles. I mean, you know, it's crazy. Well, I guess we got to find that happy medium with all things. But the a couple names that you mentioned that, that bring back a, a lot of memories to me that are, are players from Portland, um, you know, that, that were unbelievably talented and they had nice college careers, but maybe didn't reach their potential. Brandon Brooks was, was tremendous. He was a little younger than I was. Uh, Chris Rogers at Arizona are two to come to mind. Aaron Miles had a great career at, um, at Kansas. He's actually going to be joining the ISO podcast at some point. We just haven't found a time that works for both of us. But Aaron Miles, those are good people. Aaron Miles is having a great call, uh, you know, coaching career now. Yeah. Got with a great organization, the Golden State. I'm happy for him. More couldn't be more happy for Aaron. But the one that 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 really piqued a lot of interest for me, and, and you would know this because you know we know both of them. Both we both know him very well. Is Josh Hall? He to me is the best player that I have ever played against that didn't make it to the NBA. And Damon Stoudemire has said the same thing. Ime Udoka has said the same thing. Guys, you know, Damon's a 12, 13-year NBA guy. He's now having a carving out a tremendous college coaching career at Pacific. And Ime is, you know, next in line to be an NBA head coach very soon. Both those guys have said Josh Hall's the best player they've ever seen not make the NBA. Yeah, I mean, he was. I mean, so for me, you know, playing against him in the Pro-Am, getting to know him in the Pro-Am, him and, you know, my dad, you know, and everybody that knows me knows my dad just because my dad's, you know, a basketball junkie like me. You know, he's, he came along the, the ranks and, you know, spent a lot of time with me in the gym. And so he got to know and cultivate relationships that he still has to this day. And uh, you still see him around gyms today. But, yeah, I mean, getting to know Josh and uh, playing against Josh and that – there was a lot of drive there too. You know, Josh and I joke about it all the time, you know, because we kind of – both had our, you know, success at, at Warner U now and uh, at Warner University in Florida. And we joke about it all the time, you know, you, you know, we'll kind of, you know, you did this and I did this. And I mean, Josh, 
Josh was a standard for Warner University basketball. And I, I feel very blessed and, and privileged and great, grateful. Uh, it was a privilege and, and very grateful to follow kind of the steps of Josh at, at Warner and the ability to, to kind of fall back and say, say uh, you know, bottom line is I got to go and play there and have my mark and stamp. I mean, I owe a lot of thanks and a lot of, uh, of, of all that success to Josh because I would have probably never gone to that school if it wouldn't have been for Josh. And Josh really put in a good word for me. And then the coaches, the rest was history because the coaches saw my ability to play, but he peeped me, them onto me, you know? So uh, yeah, Josh, I remember hearing stories. And that was also a very fun part of my life is going to school where Josh went and creating my own legacy there or my own, I uh, use the word legacy, but my own, you know, his, you know, resume and hearing the stories of Josh, you know, because those guys all coached Josh. And they were all around Josh and how much passion he had for the game and how much he just was different and being different in a good way because he spent so much time loving the game and being around the game and working on the game and hearing about his NBA workouts that maybe didn't come to fruition, but hearing different stories about that. And I agree. I definitely think that Josh Hall is one of the best basketball players to ever come from the city, period. But then you put that if you want to put that label, which I agree with, that didn't make it to the league or didn't play in the NBA absolutely because he was ruthless he was tough he had a hesitation that honestly i've never seen anybody replicate since yeah it, it brings back a lot of good memories he's now doing some really nice things with a a basketball facility called shoot 360 that uh, you yeah. know well that they are expanding across the country absolutely. Um, with bringing basketball and technology together to help kids uh improve last question before I let you head out. It's snowing up here in Spokane. I'm, I'm, I'm imagining it's raining in, in the Portland area. Ryan is. Yeah, it is. With, with all of your success, organizing, running, directing AAU tournaments, youth events, there's got to be a little bit of, of wanting to break into the high school tournament event space, because there's a lot of really good events that go on across the country. Um, ESPN, broadcast a number of the games from these events throughout the, the course of the year at the high school level. You mentioned off camera that you are now starting to look at including offering high level high school in season tournaments. Well, what, what is that opportunity in that future looking like for you? So Dave and I, you know, we've, we've worked with, uh, you know, we've got some exciting stuff happening on the horizon uh, with some merges that we're working on uh, branding wise, kind of rebranding the spring as you know, with the shoe circuits and the shoe brands and everything kind of up in the air and the NCAA certified seasons, not really sure what's going to happen there, but we have our plan on, on coming out soon, announcing, uh, you know, our spring schedule for high school, AAU school and youth uh, teams that's going to be coming out here soon so that we can kind of implement and provide that opportunity on the spring side and the summer side, which what we were talking about is basically we also have now uh, partnered with some folks that have a strong passion like ourselves to put on a national high school level for high school teams level event. Uh, and, you know, there's some other very, very good high school level tournaments. We're not trying to step on anybody's toes. But one of the markets that we feel like is, is lacking in, in, in terms of providing opportunity is the Seattle Auburn area. And we really feel like they're, they're missing out on an opportunity to, unless they travel out of state, but something in their backyard. And as we were kind of going into this, we've kind of heard of the, the Katie Hoop Fest thing that was going to go down this year that kind of obviously got hit by the COVID-19 pandemic. And so they had to cancel that. 
And we feel like that's great. The more attention that can come to Seattle basketball, because Seattle basketball for many years, as you know, uh, but also right now is a strong basketball market. There's a lot of talent, obviously a heavier population than Oregon. So it's not really fair to compare, you know, Oregon's always looked as a stepchild or the stepbrother or sister to Seattle just by, just by volume. And so the idea we have is this hardwood invite that we're going to be putting on hopefully next year. Uh, we've already gained a lot of interest, a lot of national attention to it. And it's going to be kind of first of its kind in the state, in the state of Washington, but in the city of Seattle or greater Seattle, Seattle area. And it's going to be a 16 team field. That's going to really, I think, uh, bring a lot of, uh, attention versus media and marketing to the area and provide a great venue event for the Seattle based teams, but also the teams that we're bringing in and bringing from out of state. I look forward to hearing more about that. I know all the events that you've run at the youth level that I've seen and been a part of have been first class. Thank you. I expect the same at the high school level. So was SB live and myself will definitely uh, stay tuned to that. So Ryan, I appreciate the time. I wish you nothing but the best as you continue to navigate um, all the restrictions and guidelines, but more importantly for you and HoopSource, the opportunities that you guys have. So thanks again for joining. Thank you, Dan, for having us. And, you know, we appreciate it. We definitely want, uh, you know, SBA Live to be a part of that event too. And we'll talk more about that. But we appreciate the support everybody gives us and the support you give us. We'll continue to, continue to try and provide those opportunities. The ISO with Dan Dickow and SB Live Sports, brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.